Blog Talk Radio. Right into this world, all alone. God takes your soul, you're on your own. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Weigh In Sports Talk. I'm your host, Brian Tarvin. We're joining you on a special night, Thursday night. We're usually on every Sunday and Wednesday, but things came up last night, so I hope everyone can join tonight. We we can't just miss out on a week of college football right now, so I apologize for missing last night, but at least you can listen to the the archived episode of the show we're going to talk tonight about the upcoming week in college football, NFL football, maybe a little baseball, some things, some current events in college football. We're going to go at least an hour tonight. But a lot of big games tonight. And, you know, ever since Sunday I've been hearing so many things going on in the media, so many of these experts coming out, awarding uh, Heismans and national champions already, which they've tried to do ever since Georgia beat Clemson and A&M beat South Carolina, but we're going to talk about some things. My co-host Trey Patterson will be with me shortly, probably around 9.30 p.m. Eastern, where we'll break down our college football and NFL games. But first off, we'll start out in baseball. Congratulations to the Kansas City Royals, a clean sweep in the American League Championship Series to beat the Baltimore Orioles. And is this the, the question I want to ask the listeners tonight is: This the worst team ever to make a World Series? I mean, now all of a sudden, you have these bandwagon fans coming out of everywhere. For some reason, every Nebraska fan in the world is a Kansas City Royals fan now. It just it just blows my mind. You see a team that that's not even supported by their own fan base. I can't name a player almost on their team yet. They're in the World Series. And everybody thinks this is great for baseball. But <laughs> the the bad thing is, guys, you're going to have the winner of the National League being St. Louis or San Francisco, probably San Francisco, sweep these, the Kansas City Royals. But I'll be pulling for the Royals. But the uh, the ratings for this is going to be just terrible. You, you look at the ratings and see Kansas City in the World Series, you don't want to watch. At least with Baltimore, you, you, you have some household names that you can watch and and follow with the Kansas City Royals. They don't even have a 300 hitter on the team. They're just not very good. But but the thing is, how do you define good? These guys are hot at the right time, and they're playing the the old way of baseball before steroids hit. And now it's actually working since steroids or the use of steroids are down. So I guess Kansas City can compete right now because you can make it to the World Series without a true home run hitter, without a 300 hitter, and without anybody coming to your games. I believe somewhere around the 55% capacity, 55%, I think, 60 per game is what they average. So half of their stadium really is empty for every game. I mean, hey, you go to New York, you go to Boston, you go to Atlanta, you go to St. Louis, you go to San Francisco, L.A., uh, these fans actually show up and, and fill stadiums up most every game. But the Kansas City Royals, for the love of me, I cannot see how in the world people are real happy that this is happening right now. But I just wanted to throw that out there, get that off my chest. 
And we're about to discuss Jameis Winston as well. Some things going on. And I'll give everybody a quick update on Todd Gurley. He was suspended last week. He missed the Missouri game. The new update is there is no update. And it looks like Gurley's going to be missing his second game in a row at Arkansas. And I'm telling you, I know Georgia looked good against Missouri last week. But going on the road to Fayetteville, Arkansas, and playing against a team that hasn't won a game in two years, or an SEC game in two years, they're on the cusp. They almost beat Alabama Saturday night. It's just a scary thing if you're a Georgia fan out there, knowing that Thursday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern, you're making a trip without your leader. And and I know Georgia's a little more familiar with Missouri. It was a, I think that game happened last week. Missouri was up when Gurley was going to play, and then when Gurley got suspended, I believe it just Missouri they let down a little bit. They didn't. They didn't have their edge, and I believe Georgia rallied around the fact that everybody was picking against them. That you know they were they were trying to uh, show the world they had something to prove that hey we can win without Todd Gurley. But how many games can you win without the best player in the country? That's the question. The Georgia Bulldogs, to me, they have a big challenge against the Arkansas Razorbacks. This is a team that's just so close. From from being five and one maybe and being a, a contender in the West, they they played Auburn the first game. Auburn beat them forty five to twenty one. The second time they played in the SEC, they almost beat Texas A and M. They were they choked the lead away at the game. And if it wasn't for just some shooting themselves in the foot, Arkansas would have had a win over Alabama last weekend at home. So now here they are. How will Arkansas respond? That's another question. But the update on Gurley is the same. Gurley will not be with Georgia this weekend, it looks like. Georgia's still a three-, four-point favorite in this game. You have to favor Georgia over a team that hasn't won an SEC game in two years. I get that. But I do think the Arkansas Razorbacks, as we'll discuss later, will show up in this game and show out. But I just have to laugh a little bit. Like, we're six weeks into the college before, halfway through, I'll say. Halfway through, and from week to week to week to week to week to week, all we do is hear these these media people trying to tell you who's going to be in the playoffs. I mean, Ole Miss beats Alabama, Mississippi State beats Auburn, and now all of a sudden it's a given that Ole Miss and Mississippi State, the Egg Bowl, will decide who wins the West and plays for the national championship. Are you kidding me, people? Do you really think – are you putting that much stock into Ole Miss and Mississippi State right now? Do you think because they got hot at the right time that this second half of the season is not the toughest, the most important, the most pressure-filled time that you'll ever go through. I remember last year, you know, as an Auburn fan, those games are so huge. They're they're so tough to navigate through. Your depth is an issue. And I, I think that's where Mississippi State could be in trouble. Once you start hitting the end of the road, the schedule, I know you pl- you don't play. You've already gotten rid of LSU. Uh, you played A&M and Auburn. But still on that schedule, you're, you're going to Kentucky. You're playing Arkansas. You're going to Tuscaloosa. You're going to Ole Miss. These injuries will mount up, and if you're not a deep team, these little games like Kentucky and Arkansas will jump up and bite you. It's easy to get up for the big games, but it's different when you're playing with a bullseye on your back, on your chest, and all of a sudden everybody's coming for you. The The good news is 
if you're out there and you want someone to win the SEC besides Mississippi State and Ole Miss, is now the pressure is on. Nobody's overlooking you. Nobody's taking you lightly. And I've had Trey Patterson with me. And Trey, I just I'm, I'm just kind of talking tonight about right now before we really get started is how everybody's already crowning Mississippi State and Ole Miss, you know, the Egg Bowl being the game that decides the West and Prescott for Heisman already. And we're only six weeks into it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's absolutely – you know, uh, people are pretty popular to overreact and and, and crown champions early. Um, If you recall around this this time of year, you know, it was still – and Alabama was really dominant, and, you know, they ended up not making the championship, but it was Auburn and Florida State who did. So it's just one of those things that uh, it's way too early to know who's really going to make it. Yeah, and you remember after week one we heard that Georgia was the number one seed in the playoffs, and then Texas A&M was the number one team. I think both of those teams have taken a step back, and, and it's just like every week they have a new Final Four. I mean, it's it's totally – changes every week so how hard how difficult is it going to be for mississippi state and Ole miss to keep this up through the tough part of the season and maybe the games are not as tough but in when you get in the end of october november i think every game carries a certain amount of pressure with it more than the early part of the season oh yeah i i agree with that completely i mean it not only the fact that it's different being the favorite um it's different uh, especially when you're Michigan, excuse me, Mississippi State, and you have the pressure not only of being, you know, this favorite, um, but you have this pressure of basically being number one in the country, and and that comes with um, sort of pressures that I don't know if a lot of people, um, you know, playing for a team like Mississippi State are going to be used to at all, or even know how to handle that success. I mean. It's, a different kind of atmosphere when you're when you're the guy to take down. Yeah, I totally I totally agree with that. And and depth, I mean, how deep are Ole Miss and Mississippi State? And Trey, I'm getting a lot of static. Can you just check your phone real quick? And I'm going to check mine just in case it's mine. But uh, how how deep? How is depth going to affect these two teams? I mean, it's early in the season still, but your bodies start wearing out unless you're two or three deep in positions. You can't really guarantee a win over anybody. I look at old, I look at Mississippi State making a trip to Lexington, playing Arkansas, going to Tuscaloosa, going to Ole Miss. I mean, Mississippi State could be a three-loss team when it's said and done, and we're sitting there, everybody's crowning them champions right now. Oh, yeah, I mean, I think there's absolutely that, that issue. And you have not only the fact that, you know, you have a lot of people looking sort of ahead. I think that uh, it's sort of natural when you talk about these teams who are, um, you know, being crowned, you know, oh, these these are the guys to beat. And it's easy for them to sort of look ahead to, you know, oh, or our next big game isn't for four weeks. And, and then all of a sudden somebody who you, who you may be looking past slip up because they're gunning for to beat that number one team or that big seed because that's their season. Uh, so I think a lot of that could happen still. And, and talking about depth, Tarvin, I mean, if you're the number two guy on some of these teams when they play – just the number one guy a lot. They don't play a lot of depth. Um, you know, it's a totally different ball game when you don't, you know when the next guy up isn't really ready. Well, I want you to give me just a. I mean, you don't. I know you haven't studied this a lot properly, but 
which team is going to remind which teams maybe remind Mississippi State and Ole Miss that they're Mississippi State and Ole Miss? When's it coming, Trey? When do you see this happening? And maybe what team is going to actually beat Ole Miss and what team is going to beat Mississippi State? Well, you know, I still think you have you have games and, and teams who are going to be very prepared um, to play in big-time games. I mean, you still have Alabama on the schedule. And while they're not the team who they are in the past, Carvin, I mean, these are teams that are ready to play these big games. Um, you know, Texas A&M could bite somebody. You still have Auburn on the schedule for Ole Miss. I mean, there's a lot of – you could look at this a lot of ways, Carvin, and see one of these teams going down. Yeah, and all I want to tell people out there is, look, there's a ton of football left, and if you think you know the Final Four right now, then you're crazy. You really don't. And it could be anybody in the top 15 right now could sneak up. And if you remember this time last year, Auburn wasn't even ranked when they came up and made their run to the national championship. So you, you got to just sit back and let it play and, and just realize if you don't get the break, if you don't – I mean, to be to win a championship trade and make it, you have to be lucky, you have to stay healthy, and you have to be a very, very good team, and the schedule has to work out for you. And it could easily work out for Mississippi State. But what happens – Prescott, you know, he's played three top ten teams in a row. They go for two weeks and hear how great they are, and then all of a sudden, you know, they come back and they're flat. I don't think Mississippi State's good enough to be flat and win football games. They're not Alabama. You know, they're not Florida State right now. They're not teams like that that have earned that right, that that have earned it from being consistent. So that's all I want to tell Mississippi State fans and Ole Miss fans out there, just you need to be careful because it's coming to everybody once, and we've said it a hundred times since spring, Trey, that everybody's probably going to lose a game. And it's just looking at college football these days, the parity is big, especially in the SEC West. If you go through it undefeated, then you're, you probably need to be in the NFL almost. But what, what's the chances, Trey, of nobody making it undefeated out of the, the Power Five conference? I, I don't think it's a bad chance at all. I mean, you already have um, – I mean, obviously you can tell the landscape right now. Most teams aren't undefeated. Uh, and the the ones who are, you still have a lot of games against each other. So, you know, that's going to whittle down as well. Um, and then teams like Baylor still have some pretty big games on their schedule. So, I mean, I think there's a chance that we only have one-loss teams in the Final Four, if you will. Um, I guess that being a very legitimate chance. Well, Trey, I'm, you just missed, and I wanted to ask you, I mean, what do you think about the Kansas City Royals right now making the World Series? Who is this team, man? I mean, who is, name me three players off Kansas City. I mean, can you do that? I'm, you probably can since you play fantasy baseball. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, who are they? I mean, how did they get here? They don't have a 300 hitter on the team. They don't hit for power. I mean, how are they doing this? Well, I mean, they're doing it sort of the old school way, you know, a little bit of power here and there. Um, you have, obviously, uh, good pitching. Uh, this is one of those issues where the trade with the the, the Rays with, for James Shields and Wade Davis. I mean, Wade Davis, uh, not a household name, has been one of the most unbelievable relievers uh, we've seen in a very long time. And he has been lights out in the postseason as well. And you have had, I mean, Lorenzo Cain, the center fielder, has been hitting around 500 in the postseason and has made spectacular defensive plays. So, I mean, they have, they're putting a lot of it together at the right time. Uh, and they're a young team still. I mean, Mike Moustakas, I mean, you have guys 
Eric Hosmer, who are just happened to come all together at the right time. And this is a team that was a very trendy pick in the beginning of the season to make the postseason because, you know, there were a lot of people who believed that the young talent may come together. Uh, and, it, and it did. And, and right now, Tarvin, you wonder if, um, you know, the National League series, if it were to go, you know, more games than just tonight, if San Francisco doesn't win it tonight, if that may be bad for uh, the Royals to have to sit at home and, and just basically be patient um, because of the fact that, you know, this is such a hot team and we know how sort of layoffs can hurt. Yes, it, it is tough to, to sit around. But I I do feel proud to see a team, you know, uh, during the steroid era, you wouldn't you wouldn't see Kansas City be able to to compete and be in the World Series right now, but that everybody for the most part is playing clean. It's it just makes pitching a lot more important. The bullpen for Kansas City not that bad. But they they play baseball the way it was invented, but I'm sure George Brett is very proud right now. The last time Kansas City was relevant, here they are. But but that's what I wanted to talk about real quick. But I want to bring up a topic before we break down our games. Trey, um, Danny Sheridan today was on an interview on ESPN, and he said something about Alabama quarterback Blake Sims that he would rate him between 12 and 14 in the SEC as quarterback. Now this is a quarterback that was husband watch. After after he beat Florida and everything, what has happened to Blake Sims? Do you agree, first of all, that he would fall into that category twelve and fourteen? No, I don't. I don't. I don't see that. I mean, are you really saying that, that maybe the Vanderbilt situation where they started like fourteen different quarterbacks? Um, yeah, I'm not even sure who the other guy would be, or, or, or worse quarterbacks than Blake Shelton. But, I mean, not Blake Shelton. I'm talking about the voice now. Get all confused. <laughs> Blake Sims. Uh, Blake Shelton might be able to throw the football too, Darwin. Uh yeah. I, I see that. I think Blake Sims is probably in, in a down. Let's be honest, the SEC quarterback situation isn't great. I mean, you and I have talked about this. I mean, look at the NFL talent out there, and you're not going to see a lot of those guys NFL caliber. I mean, the bottom of the barrel could be Driscoll as well. I, I just think there's a lot of guys. Um, I mean, would you rather start, you know, Mason for Georgia? Um, any of the Vanderbilt quarterbacks, Kentucky's quarterback, you know, I mean, Driscoll. I mean, you can go through that. I would choose Blake Sims over a lot of these guys. Well, I think Blake Sims, is, he's been in the system a long time, but, you know, in Alabama. But you have a lot of questions on this Alabama team, and I think people are putting too much on Sims. I mean, he, he looked phenomenal in certain games. But when you have pro- Alabama, first of all, Trey, they don't have the defense or the offensive line that we're accustomed to seeing. They don't have Fluker. They don't have the the big time center. They don't have the the guys that are just household names on that offensive line, and that that causes problems. And if you look at Auburn this year, one of the main problems to me, the questions I had was the offensive line. Well, look at Alabama. Nobody was really talking about the offensive line until you start seeing them go to the NFL. That's their weakness. And when your line struggles, you start having injuries. Then the doubt creeps in. People don't perform. I just don't think Alabama is the Alabama of old, Trey. And it's not Sims' fault. You could put A.J. McCarron back there this year, and he would he would be running for his life. But the, the difference is I like Sims is because he can create things with his feet. He extends plays where I don't think A.J. McCarron could do that, Trey. Yeah, I think your analysis is spot on. I think McCarron would be on his back a lot. 
because he's not mobile. And Sims, his escapability has been impressive. I mean, he's been absolutely, you know, pocket collapses. Blake Sims nowhere to go, and he seems to get out of it, you know, with basically, um, you know, someone basically swiping at his jersey. And that's impressive to me. I think the fact that he has been able to escape in those instances has been very helpful for the Alabama offense. And I don't know that he's getting the credit he deserves in that regard. I agree. And Amari Cooper is is feasting off of his ability to escape. And once, you know, a quarterback gets five seconds to be able to five to six, seven seconds to make something happen, Amari Cooper is too great of a receiver to cover. So he's getting wide open on a lot of things that we've seen. I, I just wouldn't count Alabama out because of Sims. I'm sorry. I mean, Sims is is proven that he belongs to be there. And I think if Alabama loses, you look at their schedule, you look at that offensive line, you look at the secondary, you don't see the linebackers at Alabama trade like we've seen in the past. I mean, this team has a ton of question marks. But to me, Blake Sims is not the thing that concerns me right now. I mean, would would you agree that there's other things on this team that would concern you more than, than Blake Sims at the quarterback position? Oh, yeah, I think, yeah, I think there's absolutely the secondary, the line, um, are absolutely bigger question marks than Blake Sims. I think even the supporting cast for the receivers outside of Amari Cooper have been problematic. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't agree with Sheridan that uh, Blake Sims is that low in the SEC. No, I mean, he's a, he's a leader, and I, I think he's going to get more comfortable as it goes on. But how many people out there with – would kill to have a big problem and have one loss and that that would be your team. There's some people out here with four or five losses already or three or four that that would kill to be a one-loss team. But looking at Bama's schedule real quick, Trey, they play the Iron Bowl at the end of the season. They have a tough game this weekend at home against A&M. They go to Baton Rouge. They go to Tennessee. Uh, they play Mississippi State. So, Give me a guess. How many losses is Alabama going to have this year? How many more are they going to have? They have one right now. Yeah. If you had a guess, how many would you say? You know, I, I, I could see a couple of different outcomes. Uh, I could see them losing just this one and, and pull it really pulling together. Um, and I could see them losing twice more. I mean, you could, I, I think anything in between. I think this Bama team um, is really going to be defined um, by really their next big game, which is really kind of this weekend. So I think we'll, we'll learn a little bit about um, the secondary this weekend because I think A&M is probably going to move the ball on Tarvin. Um, and, you know, a lot of insiders, and we've had a, a people on this show who are very big Alabama insiders think this is a three-loss Alabama team. So, you know, it's, it's tough to hear that from people who know the program and not believe it. Yeah, I mean, I heard Ron Fowler, uh, the 99.1 the game. He's a, He loves Alabama. He supports them. But he just doesn't think this is a team that can win the SEC, win a national championship. And he's not just saying that now. He said that in the preseason. He said it in week one. Um, so I listen to people that actually know their team and, and study it and tell you the truth. And there's a lot of Auburn fans out there that in deep with the program that said it's just going to be tough to to win the SEC this year. And they were right. But it can happen. Alabama could win it. Auburn could win it. There's still a lot of games to be left to be played. And I'm, I'm excited about that. But before we move to our picks, Trey, your boy Jameis Winston in the media, you know, all week. If you go to our Facebook page, it seems like that's all you see. It. Winston posts everywhere. But today it came out that there's over 2,000 uh, autographs 
memorabilia with him on it. What's, what are your thoughts on this? I know you're probably tired of hearing about Jameis Winston, but is he in, is he in danger of becoming an elder? I don't. I don't think so. Um, you know, the the evidence is is so circumstantial. Uh, you know, with other folks, uh, and right now, I mean, obviously, Tarvin, this thing, this could change. Um, but Winston's known for a guy who signs a lot of autographs. I mean, they they estimate, you know, in the thousands just from the baseball seasons alone. Um, but there is some very very skeptical stuff that makes you scratch your head. I mean, the sequential numbers, the the, the mass people putting stuff through. But there's been absolutely no evidence of any people who had him sign. There's been, you know, there's no girly camera. Um, there's no, you know, person paying, you know, Uncle Nate. We haven't had any of the stuff that's been stronger um, come out. It's really all just, okay, there's a bunch of autographs out there that are, you know, you know, certified as genuine autographs. I mean, and that's all we get, Tarvin. You know, history has proven that's not enough. I mean, you can look at Clowney and other, you know, other guys. Having autographs out there, no matter what the volume is, and no matter what we may suspect, and you kind of need the smoking gun when it comes to autographs. And we learned that from, you know, Uncle Nate last year. Well, I, I need to ask you a question. As a as a Florida State fan, Florida State said they're investigating all of this. What are your thoughts to Florida State not even contacting uh, the the dealers or anything like that? Are they taking their time. What's going on here? Well, uh, and this, this is a, a huge sort of misnomer and a fault. This is really even a fault, I mean, lead. Uh, it, you can either look at it two ways. Either you take um, the authentication at face value and you don't need to contact them because they're not going to give up anything. They've already said they don't reveal who submits things to them to anybody. So really other than calling them and saying, hey, are they legitimate? Well, they're going to say yes, and that's their business model. I'm not really sure what you get out of contacting them. Uh, you may do it just, just to, to ask questions, but you kind of already have the answer um, that you may want to know, which is, you know, can you tell us a little bit how these, are, you know, how these were submitted to you, and you're not going to get that answer from JSA. Uh, so I'm not really, yeah, that's one of those stories that don't really make make anything really relevant. It doesn't really matter. Well, we'll update everyone if anything changes, but have, have you noticed this season that nobody's talking about the games on the field? It's just drama, 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 off-the-field crap. When well, We can do that in the off season. How about during the season, Trey, let's appreciate the games that are going on on the field and, and do our analysis and do the best we can to predict them and enjoy them, man. I mean, has this been one of the, the seasons from start to finish that, that all we see is drama? I mean, I know Cam Newton happens towards the end of the season in 2010, <laughs> but it just seems like all year it's just been one thing after the other. Yeah, and, you know, I I don't buy into a lot of the conspiracy theories that, you know, crazier fans have that ESPN has an agenda against Florida State or against this team. I, I don't buy any of that. I think what you have, honestly, is a bunch of guys who – don't have a lot of time, uh, not time, but we'll have a, have a lot to do. Um, I was thinking of somebody else. Um, and uh, you have a lot of these sports reporters, uh, and I, lose that, I use that term very loosely, who get a lot of news they produce through Twitter and through, you know, very informal chains, and they report it, and it's sensational, and so it gets hit. 
and, and there's not a lot of accountability for those guys. In fact, you know, there's a, a very a very prominent ESPN guy who a couple of years ago reported that NBA players were in a big prostitution ring, and it turns out it was all made up by a guy on Twitter. And so, but that was reported on ESPN. And so, but there's no accountability for that, you know, when that comes out the opposite way. We didn't, it just kind of goes away. So part of that is that, Harvin, we're in a very sensationalized, we all, you and I, a lot of athletes and sports people are on Twitter. And so we get these, um, these you know, these great sounding stuff and we all kind of you know, run with it. Um, but unfortunately, there's really no accountability if it's not really true. And I think that's, sort of part of it, Carvin, is, is instead of boasting, focusing on a lot of that stuff, we tend to get caught up in the, in the side stories. Well, Trey, I was going to tell you, before we get on to our NFL game, I think you made a mistake in the first, in the NFL, you put the game number one, 49ers at the Detroit Lions. And I believe the Saints are playing the Lions in that game. Yeah, Can you I, look at I, that? Actually, I should have edited that. I, I did edit that post. Okay. It is yeah, the, it is the um, the Lions are one of our games, but it's actually I think the 49ers at the Broncos. Okay, okay, yeah. I, don't, I don't see it edited, but hey, it might be I'm not I'm not updating myself here. But let's let's get into this uh, decent week of NFL football. I mean, there's some there's some good games, there's some surprises maybe out there lurking, but the Carolina Panthers go into Lambeau Field at Green Bay with a 3-2-1 and one record. I mean, I don't know, Trey. This could be tough for Cam Newton and this Carolina team beating Green Bay with that offense. Well, you know, i got to tell you, um, I've been impressed with Cam Newton, uh, what he's – I mean, and, and not only him, um, but the maturation of Kelvin Benjamin, who came out as a sophomore, redshirt sophomore. Uh, and he's – I mean, you got to think – you know, there's not a lot of guys who in their freshman season of the NFL have produced at a decent level. It's actually, you know, we all know from fantasy sports, you know, there's a third-year karma to it. Uh, but, you know, they're doing it with a with a rookie receiver, uh, some other guys who are pieced together, uh, a, a backfield who is just really all former Cleveland Brown cast-offs. Uh, and, and they're doing pretty well. And the defense, we know, is really stout, and they don't really have to score a whole lot. So, I give Carolina a good shot game, Tarvin. I was very impressed with the road tie, if you will, last week. Yeah, I think sometimes a tie is okay, especially when you're on the road against a, a Bengals team that was considered by some the best team in the NFL. And they go out, they they run the ball. You know, Cam Newton was the first quarterback in NFL history to throw for 250 yards and two touchdowns and run for 100 and a touchdown in a game. Did that Did that catch you by surprise? A little bit, um, but you know, he's been—I um, think he's been pretty good this year and pretty solid. I, you know, we we all thought from the surgery that, um, or at least a lot of us did, that, you know, Cam Newton may slump this year, and he still has been very inconsistent. But he's not making the huge mistakes we've seen, and he's he's sort of keeping his composure through the tough times. And that defense, Tarvin, you know, right now I'm starting to think that Cam Newton's progressing. Yeah, and remember, it takes a little while from when you're injured actually to, to to feel confident enough to be able to run and to do it. And if he if he continues to run the football like he has like last week, Carolina could could be a team that could could win the division they're in. You have to look. The Saints are terrible. The Falcons suck. 
Tampa Bay sucks. So who's to say Carolina couldn't have a an eight and eight season and win their division? Well, I mean, in the NFL, we know an eight and eight team in a certain division could get in depending on the year. So, well, it's, I mean, yeah, discount it. Yeah, well, I think we have uh, Cuervo on the line with us, Trey. Cuervo, welcome to Weigh In Sports. How are you, sir? You would think correct, Tarvin. I'm good. How are you guys? I'm doing good. How's California treating you? Uh, it's treating me as good as it possibly could. I haven't worked in two and a half weeks, but that all changes next week. So, But I'm enjoying my time off, getting settled in, and uh, everything's good. Everything's real good. Well, it's been a while since we've heard your voice on this show. I know we've been inconsistent at times. I've been crazy busy, so is Trey, but thanks for joining us. So, Cuervo, I'll ask you right here. I know you, you love the Green Bay Packers, I can tell you, but does Carolina have a chance to go into Lambeau and, and win this game? Um, yeah, I think they do, but, I mean, the defense has to play to their expectation, and that's the biggest if you're a Panthers fan, as yourself, you would you got to admit the defense is the most disappointing thing. You could talk about no running game. Well, now they get Jonathan Stewart back this week. How healthy is he? How good is he going to be? But the defense, the defense is, is not even close to what they were last year. They're giving up, you know, points. I mean, they gave up, you know, they give up a lot. And that is what's really been – keeps holding them back from being that NFC powerhouse that we saw them as last year. So, I mean, if the, if they can get pressure on Aaron Rodgers, then absolutely. Now, will that actually happen is a different story. But, um, you know, that's what's going to have to happen for Green, for uh, Carolina to go into Green Bay and get a win. Well, Trey, without Hardy being on that team, it's going to be hard to do that. I'm going to go ahead and pick Green Bay to win this game at home. I'd love to see Carolina pull the upset, but I have to go with Aaron Rodgers in this game. Yeah, I'm the other two. I think the Packers are playing pretty decent football right now. This is going to be a pretty good test for them, but I got the Packers at home as well, Harmon. All right. Cuervo, are you picking the Packers? Yeah, because I love them so much, huh, Tarvin? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, Green Bay our game number four, our game number four, the Saints, two and three. Uh, Trey, I don't know what to think of this team. Going to Detroit, Calvin Johnson is not going to be playing. But even without Calvin Johnson in this game, I think Detroit's good enough at home to beat a Saints team that we all know they can't play away from home. So I'm going to go with Detroit, Trey, in this game. I don't think it's uh, – I think it's almost a no-brainer in this one. Well, Tarvin, uh, yeah, I, without Calvin Johnson, the, the Detroit, Detroit Tigers, man, I'm all over the place tonight. The Detroit Lions have been sort of an up-and-down team. They do play a lot better at home. The Saints have been really disappointing, I feel. This is a three-point line, Tarvin. Um, you know, I'm going to pick the upset. The Saints, not so fast. I, I think Detroit, uh, I, I, that, that secondary is still pretty suspect. So I like Drew Brees to have a good game. Uh, I look for uh, – them to upset the Detroit, Detroit Lions. Well, well, Trey, you know Jimmy Graham's going to be out too, right? Yeah, I do. Uh, I, I think this could be one of those games that we see uh, the young rookie Cooks have about eight or nine receptions uh, and make up for some of that. Well, Cuervo, who do you have in this game? Two dome teams playing it out. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, Detroit, guys. I mean, 
you know, like you said, I mean, the, the Saints are 0-3 on the road so far this year. You look at what's been the problem with New Orleans, and, you know, their offensive line is just not protecting Drew Brees. Now, and on top of that, Jimmy Graham's not playing. You know, you got Detroit playing very good up front, getting a lot of pressure on quarterbacks. So um, look for the Lions, and, and I'll even make a small prediction here. I say the Lions get about five sacks on Drew Brees, so, and, and the Lions will win. That's a good prediction. I'll keep my eye out on that one, Cuervo. I'd, I'd like to see Nick Fairley get him two or three sacks in this game. But the next game is a game I think people – are forgetting that the San Diego Chargers are the San Diego Chargers. We got a two and three Chiefs team trade coming into to San Diego. San Diego's five and one. They're one of those surprises in a way, maybe just like Dallas. But this is a must win game for Kansas City being two and three in this division. They have to go on the road and get this win. And actually I like them getting the win, Trey. I like Kansas City pulling the upset. Yeah, you know Brandon Oliver has been sort of a godsend for San Diego. They found him basically after everybody else got injured. He's been playing really, really good football. Uh, the receivers, I mean, Floyd were 362 receiving yards. Kind of surprising he's up there. Keenan Allen really not having that great. Bullet Rivers has looked great. I mean, there's every reason in the road and sort of that you have out there to pick uh, Philip Rivers and the Chargers, which is why I agree with you. Uh, I think this is a, a must-win game for Kansas City. I think San Diego is so much going for them. This is one of those games that at home, you know, you see sometimes in the NFL they get a little complacent, uh, especially with a team that may need it as much as Kansas City. Jamal Charles is looking really good uh, coming back from his injury. Uh, I like the Chiefs to pull the upset as well. Cuervo, are you going to give us a clean sweep or are you going to go against us? Uh, you know what? I, I, I think I'm going to go against you guys. I mean, I, the numbers look good for Kansas City. Uh, you know, their secondary is playing well. They're not giving up much in the air. Um, however, when, when you're talking about a, a balanced team like San Diego and the way their defense is playing, Kansas City is playing well. San Diego's is playing even better. And, you know, with Jamal Charles, I mean, Jamal Charles, I mean, as much as we'd like to watch him play, I mean, one minute he could be, you know, running for, for a 40-yard gain. The next he's on the ground, you know, grabbing his ankles. So you just don't know what you're going to get with Charles. So, I'm yeah, I'm going to go on the other side. Uh, you know, momentum I think is, is a big thing. And it's early in the season still, but I'm going to go with the Chargers. All right. Well, you broke the streak. Well, our number two game, the Cincinnati Bengals coming off a tie against Carolina. Cuervo, can you check your phone real quick? I'm getting some background noise. Trey, I think that's you too. Um, Cincinnati at the Colts. The Colts open up a three-point favorite in this game. And just looking at it right now, the Colts, I just don't see how Indianapolis can can beat a Cincinnati team that's just better. I, I think you look at Cincinnati from top to bottom, even though this game's on the road, I really like the way the Bengals are going to be playing in this game, and I, I really think that the secondary for Cincinnati is going to have to step up, Trey, because Andrew Luck at home uh, can do some damage, but I just don't like Indianapolis's defense. I think Cincinnati is going to be able to take advantage of some things and score some points. I, I think Cincinnati is going to find room. You know, Bernard's been really good for them, uh, but this is one of those things. We all thought the sky was falling for 
for the Indianapolis Colts. They were 0-2. They've won four in a row. Luck has been incredible. Uh, we're seeing T.Y. Hilton break out now in his third year, of you know, 200 yards receiving last week. I think the Colts are too hot right now at home, Tarvin. And, uh, Cincinnati, this is a big loss if they lose this game because they really should have won the game last week against Carolina, and then it wouldn't have been such a uh, – it, it wouldn't be such a predicament because it's a much different ball game for Cincinnati uh, to come into this game and they lose it if they're, you know, 4-1. and one. Uh, but this week now with 3-1-1, one, and one, going to 3-2-1, and one, it's going to have a, a much tougher position for Cincinnati. But I just I just think the Colts at home, Tarvin, too many, too many left. All right. All right. Cuervo, who do you like in this one? Yeah, I'm going, with, I'm going to go with Trey and, and pick the Indianapolis Colts as well. Um, you know, I, I, I just, you know, like, like he said, you know, everybody thought that the Colts were overrated and things like that when they were 0-2. But since then, all Andrew Luck has done is, you know, throw the most touchdowns in the NFL and, and uh, really just kind of take over games. I mean, that's the one thing about Luck is, you know, and you don't see it in very many quarterbacks, he could take a game over. And with a defense that is inconsistent, I like his chances of having another good game. So uh, I'm going with Indy. I just think Andrew Luck's overrated, guys. He's, he's just not that good of a quarterback. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know I'm joking. I love Andrew Luck. He's a great quarterback. I just wanted to see what Trey would say. He didn't. Trey's not feisty tonight like he usually is. What's wrong, Trey? Long day at work. <laughs> I, just, I just don't buy what you're selling. That's all. You just know me. You know me too well, don't you? Yeah, I know. I know what you're trying to do. I'm trying to get the the fantasy owner in our league that owns Andrew Luck to trade him to me. I'm, I've invited him to the show tonight to, you know, to listen in and maybe I can get him since I need a quarterback. But our number one game, and I'm excited to see this one. We got the the Detroit or the Dallas or Denver Broncos. Trey, you screwed me up on the list here. <laughs> the Denver Broncos at home against the San Francisco 49ers. This is going to be a Sunday night game. And, Cuervo, I'll start with you on this one since you're a Peyton Manning fan as well. I think Peyton Manning blows up this game. I think he has a a great game, and there's no way San Francisco is going to be able to beat Denver in Denver at night. I'm going to go ahead and call it. Yeah, I I don't think so either. And the line is six and a half for a reason, guys, because the the 49ers defense is still – pretty, you know, they're pretty solid. However, they're still missing a lot of guys. Uh, but I think this is a game where they're going to be missing uh, Alden, you know, a guy like Alden Smith, where you had, that's that's your only chance of really getting pressure on, on Peyton Manning. So I, I think what that's going to do is going to allow Peyton all the time in the world to find whoever he wants. Hmm, who am I going to throw to, um, you know, on this play? So it's it's going to allow him to pretty much dictate how the game plays out. And, uh, it's, you know, Denver's going to, they're going to run away with this one, in my opinion. And yes, before, you know, we, we get into it, the the record will be broken on Sunday night. Trey, who do you like? Yeah, I, I agree with you guys. I think this is going to be one of those, you know, 45 to 30 games. You'll, the 49ers, I think, will score on the Broncos. Uh, but ultimately, I think the Broncos are just going to be sort of in high-octane mode against the 49ers defense, which has given up some points through the air. So, yeah, Broncos, 
running away with a little bit. But I think it'll be an entertaining game. It's always entertaining anytime you have Peyton Manning. And I think that that game last year in the Super Bowl really hurt Peyton Manning. And, and you saw the way they went into Seattle and the way he battled them back to overtime. Had, these, had Denver's defense stepped up on the road there, I think Peyton Manning would have gotten a shot to win the game. But I think that game was a turning point in the Denver season, even though they lost. They realized that that blowout was just kind of a fluke, just some bad timing and everything. I think Denver's a lot tougher. They're a more physical team than they were last year. And I just think San Francisco's on the way down just a little bit. So Denver is going to take care of business, and that wraps up our NFL talk right now, our five games. If you think you can beat us, good luck. Try to beat us. The hosts usually win, so good luck with you. And I don't see really any other games out there. The Bears play in Miami. Bears favor three at home. That'll be a good game to watch. Atlanta goes to Baltimore. I think Baltimore killed them. Dallas, the hot team right now, favored seven over the Giants. And, Trey, I just want to ask you one thing. It just seems like Eli and the Giants and Coughlin, they have a a formula to be able to beat Dallas, I think. I mean, would you be surprised if New York went into Dallas and pulled the upset? No, I wouldn't. And I think this is one of those games where um, if you're betting, you probably take the point. I think think the Giants are going to play it close. Well, now that Jerry Jones has lost, who's been dropped from the prostitute, uh, maybe the <laughs> Cowboys will, will will come back down to earth. Well, let's move into our college segment right now. Trey, it wasn't hard this week to pick ten games, was it? No, there's a lot of interesting games. I think uh, I got a little heat for not picking one Big Ten game. Uh, and, I, and I'll give them the fact that there's a couple games <laughs> on the schedule, which I'm probably a little bit more biased toward. Uh, you know, games like uh, Tennessee and Ole Miss, which I think could have been replaced. But, hey, this is uh, what I find the most interesting and the most intriguing storylines. Uh, so, hey, put them in ahead of time. Get, give me get me what you want me to put on here. Uh, I think almost every time that people requested me to put on a game in the top ten, I've just about done it. So you got to get, get them in before I put I post it on Tuesday night. I wish you'd have, you'd have put Nebraska Northwestern so I could have pulled my big upset and picked <laughs> Northwestern to win, and I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and call that right now. But since that's not on the list, number 10 is is a game that, that I think could easily be moved up. I mean, Georgia number 10 without Gurley, 5-1. and one. They have some life in them now that Missouri, they beat Missouri. Florida's tanking. Uh, Tennessee's lost a couple of games. South Carolina's lost three, all the sorts sudden Georgia's the favorite to win the East, but this is a trap game. Going to Arkansas, a team that hasn't won an SEC game in two years, they're on the cusp, they almost beat A&M, they almost beat Alabama, Trey. This is very, very dangerous for Georgia right here. Yeah, and, you know, I agree with you completely. Um, We don't know about Gurley playing. doesn't look like he will. I've had some conversations. He's out. He's out. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. Um, that's what that's what they're saying. I got a couple conversations with some people who, who say they're in the know, who claim that, that Gurley was close this week. Um, that Georgia's, you know, the NCAA says there's no discussions going on. It seems to be Georgia may think the other way. So it'll be interesting. I'm not sure he's going to be out much longer. Maybe we'll see. But without Gurley, um, and I'm more interested in the fact that yeah, this is a Hudson Mason versus Brandon Allen, and I, I wonder how, which one of these guys are going to make the biggest mistake, Tarvin, because I, I wasn't really impressed with what I saw from Allen last week. 
I wasn't either, and I think Arkansas, I mean, he threw for a lot more yards than I thought he would, but when it came clutch time and, and the crunch, he just really didn't step up. He looked like he wasn't ready to take the challenge. I think after playing against Alabama and, and playing that defense, I think he'll have no problem finding holes in that Georgia secondary. It's just uh, I trust the offensive line of Arkansas. They're big, they're physical, to be able to run the ball in this game be able to protect him and make more plays in Georgia. This is a, still a, a quarterback, really, that's not experienced, going on the road to an SEC West team. So, Trey, if, if Arkansas, the worst team in the West, beats Georgia, the best team in the East, what does that really say? Uh, I mean, the SEC East is, you know, a pretty pretty bad. Um, that, because Arkansas that means that, that means cancel the championship game in the Georgia Dome and just over. put the top two West teams in. Just 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 put two West teams in for God's sake. Uh, I think we'd all enjoy that maybe more. Uh, so Tarvin, let me ask you this um, before I make my pick. I'm going to tell you I'm going to take the safe play here. Although I, I don't, I wouldn't be surprised if Arkansas upset Georgia at all. It would not surprise me. I'm going to take the safe bet in Georgia. I just Brandon Allen. I, I just I can see him throwing a couple fourth quarter picks or fumbling the football and. So I'm going to take the Jeremy Pruitt defense in a very close game. But, Tarvin, what do you got, buddy? I like Arkansas, and I wish somebody would quit messaging me while I'm trying to do a damn show. I mean, uh, my God, you know I'm on a show, and I'm I'm getting freaking 100 messages in a row. So uh, please quit while I'm on a show. My God. I like Arkansas to win this game at home. I just think, being at home is going to be big here. I'm, I'm not a big believer in Georgia, but they, they are getting better. And you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and pick an upset. Usually the 10th game on your list, I don't win. So I'm going to go ahead with Arkansas and just see if I can reverse the curse right here. Yeah, I'll tell you, there is something to that. It does seem like my 10th game is pretty tricky for you. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'll take Georgia. I'm taking the safe pick. Uh, not a competent pick, but I'm just going to uh, take the favorite here. Play the odds, and I'll take uh, Georgia, Tarvin. So, um, how about tonight's game, Tarvin? I don't know if you want to move on. Yeah, 20 Utah. Yes. Four and one. Uh, they're ranked. Playing decently well this year. On the road tonight against Oregon State. The Beavers, what do you think, buddy? Well, I like Oregon State in this game. I think Utah has been playing well, but I think the Pac-12 is so just even. I don't think there's any great teams in it. I think – this is a game where you'll be able to see the home team actually win. I don't I don't have confidence in Utah to be able to go on the road and win. Even though Utah's a favorite in this game, Trey, I just like coaching at Oregon State better and just being able to execute at home. I could be wrong. These games are hard to predict in the Pac-12, but, hey, I'm going to go with Oregon State. I actually agree with everything you said. I'm taking Oregon State as well. Um, Utah in a favorite position on the road on a Thursday night. Um, you know, not since Urban Meyer was there, have they been really prepared for a big game? And, and this may not seem like a big game, but you can't imagine that Utah is building up a lot of pressure on themselves and then they get, it's their fan base because, I mean, they're one of the few Pac-12 teams that are 4-1 right now and they're ranked. So, I mean, if they win this one, they, they may start talking about Pac-12 championship. I mean, you never know. I mean they're going to be that position, even though I'm not sure they could get there. Uh, I, I just think this is one of those, those times that Oregon State's going to be ready for this game, and they're going to take them out. Well, the next game is an SEC showdown, Trey. Ole Miss at home against the Tennessee Volunteers that just 
you know, they they haven't looked good since that Florida game. They they played flat. They played over height. So now they go to Oxford. That's just not a good recipe right now. Yeah, I mean, Tennessee last couple of weeks has been a sort of a downward slide. You have a, a West team who, who looked focused last week, more focused than I thought they were. But this is on the road. Um, you know, we may have something here in Tarvin. But Ole Miss at home, Tennessee coming in. Uh, I don't like Tennessee's chances in this game. I'm going to take Ole Miss safely. You know, pretty, I think, I think safely as well. Well, you have to you have to worry about, like I said earlier in the show, when is Ole Miss going to turn back into Ole Miss? And remember, they're not Alabama. They're not Florida teams with you know back in the day. This is a Mississippi State Mississippi team that it's what if Bo Wallace plays bad? Tennessee's showed in the past they could they almost beat Georgia on the road. They they played respectable against Oklahoma on the road last year. They beat South Carolina. Could this be the game that that really you know launches Butch Jones into the conversation of one of the top coaches in the SEC? And remember, he has Alabama next week. I think with the offensive line struggles, I just don't think it's a great matchup. But you never know what can happen. I like Tennessee plus seventeen. I'll tell you that. I think Tennessee covers the 17 points. I think that line's a little overinflated because of the success. This could be your letdown game for Ole Miss. You know, everybody thought it would be last week. Maybe this is the time it actually gets them. But I like – I'm with you. I like Ole Miss in this game. But I don't like them by much. So maybe I'm wrong in this one. But the next game has a lot of intrigue to me. Baylor – undefeated number seven going on the road to West Virginia. We're going to find out how good Baylor is this week. Yeah, this game is super tricky for me. I actually almost moved this. If we didn't have five ranked battles this week, this game could have been a lot higher. I think this is, uh, I mean, this is the trap door, I think, for Baylor. This is a 6-0. They just won a, you know, a huge comeback win last week to you, who really outplayed Baylor. Uh, and now they go on the road against a really feisty West Virginia team who has played, um, and they're four and two, Tarvin. They they played tough uh, in all their games. Uh, call me crazy for thinking this is is an upset special, Tarvin. It could be, and and Baylor surviving last week, coming from behind late, all the emotion involved in that. Now you pack up your bags and you go. To the East Coast, you go to to West Virginia, and that's a tough place to play. I mean, the only bad thing for West Virginia is it's a noon game. Yeah, I, I agree with Sorry, you on the noon game. Just barking in the background. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear Cujo. Uh, but Tarvin, I, I think that's. But the one interesting thing about West Virginia is is Clint Trinket, the quarterback for West Virginia, has played pretty well in the bigger games, and he played decently well against Oklahoma, giving them 33 points, 23 points against Alabama. And in the games that, um, I mean, so they've been able to score. I mean, 40 against Maryland, 33 against Kansas. I mean, so they're going to score, and we know that Baylor gives up a lot of points. I'm going to pull the upset on this one. I think this is a trap game for, for TCU. Again, now that we're coming off that TCU win, uh, even though I picked Baylor to make the Final Four and run into the Big 12, Tarvin, I'm sort of rethinking my prediction. I think Baylor Baylor gets gets stuck, stopped here, man. And I think West Virginia's defense at home is better than Baylor's defense on the road. And Baylor, my God, the over-under in this game is 80. 80. I mean, that's a, that's a lot of points. That means about every time they touch the ball, teams are going to score. 
I just think the crowd could be problems for Baylor in this one. And I, I want to pull it with you, Trey. I, I just seen, I've seen this story before. If this was a night game in West Virginia, I would pull the trigger. But because it's a noon game, I'm just going to go with Baylor. But it's going to be close. But you never know how they, it could be a blowout. That's how explosive Baylor is. But glad to see you picking an upset here. And I don't think you'll pick one in game number six. Washington at Oregon. Both teams are 5-1. and one. I just don't think this is going to be a contest. Yeah, I mean Washington comes in five and one, you know, playing playing decent football, but this is I, I think Oregon right now is in taking care of business mode, knowing that they have to be at the top of their game. Mariota looked real good last week. I, I think Oregon is focused right now until they play somebody better. I just think Oregon's going to be going through these teams. So I agree with you, Oregon. I think this is going to be a pretty easy win. All right, another Big Twelve. I mean, the the Big Twelve is getting center stage this week. TCU tries to bounce back at home against Oklahoma State. One thing I'll tell you about TCU trade, they're a lot better, a lot better than I thought. I mean, that that win against Oklahoma wasn't a fluke. They should have beaten Baylor. And had they beaten Baylor trade, TCU (laughs) could be the Final Four team that nobody was talking about when the season started. But I think they take care of Oklahoma State right. Yeah, you got to remember Oklahoma State is having a really good year despite the fact that J.W. Walsh, our starting quarterback, was injured in, in week two right after the Florida State game. Uh, hold on one second. Yeah, I mean, this 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 Oklahoma State team played Florida State within six points, and, and all of a sudden you look at Oklahoma State and they're five and one. They've won five in a row. And they do it without any big names on their team, really. The, the Walsh is out, like, like Trey said. This is a 4 o'clock game. In Texas, this is the Big 12 as well. A 10-point spread means nothing in the Big 12. These teams can score and score a lot. The defenses don't stop anybody. And, Trey, I'm not ready to pick an upset in this game. I like TCU at home. I think Gary Patterson has them rolling right now. I just don't think Oklahoma State has enough defense, really, to win on the road. Yeah, and I really do think the fact that they're winning as, as much as they are right now without Walsh, um, is, is really a testament to how sort of good the rest of this team is. But, yeah, you're right. TCU, I think, is going to play with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder after losing that one last week with the, the focus being lost in the fourth quarter. Um, this is where we're going to see that the loss of the loss of Walsh um, matter for Oklahoma State. TCU wins. TCU. I mean, do you agree with me if they'd have won that game against Baylor? They would have probably won, run the table and – and been there at the end in the Final Four? How could you leave an undefeated Big 12 champion out in TCU out with wins like they had? Oh, yeah, I don't think you would have. Um, But, yeah, I mean, you know, it's still possible. I mean, given where college football goes, um, I think Baylor now is the the Big 12's best shot being undefeated. Um, But, I mean, you know, like I said, it's possible that a one-loss Big 12 team gets in. I, I think it's highly unlikely, though, at this point, given where we are. Well, the next game on the list, the number four game, if you're an Auburn fan, Auburn's off this week, but if you're an Auburn fan, you really want to pay attention to this game. Kansas State goes on the road to Oklahoma. And I'll ask you a question, Trey. If Kansas State beats Oklahoma, how big could that be for the Auburn Tigers right now? Oh, well, you know, this is one of those strength of schedule games that, that matters. And we talked about this at the time was, you know, hey, Kansas State has a lot of their big 12 games coming up. Uh, how they do in those games is really going to make a difference for where how we saw Auburn play against them. Kansas State goes in the 
uh, and beats a lot of these big 12 teams and comes out with nine or ten wins, man, that's going to look like a pretty darn good win on the road at night. Uh, they lose three or four more of these games, and it looks like a less uh, impressive win. So here's the first one, Tarvin. Um, I'll tell you, I, I don't like this game and the, the tenor of this, this game for Kansas State going on the road against Oklahoma. Oklahoma has to play with, a, you know, sort of with a, their backs against the wall now that they've been dethroned as the favorite. Not only uh, were they in everybody's top four in ESPN, it felt, uh, but they also were a lot of people's number one, uh, which was kind of crazy for you and I. Uh, I think Oklahoma's playing, uh, going to play a little bit better in this game, uh, and I find I think they're going to find a way. But this is going to be closer. You know, Trey, you and I are the only people on earth that was sitting there saying no, no, Oklahoma, no, and everybody's like, oh man, they're unstoppable, unbelievable, and I'm like, no, no, and nobody would listen, and and now I think maybe we have their attention. But if this game was was a late afternoon night game in Norman, I would be more willing. To, to feel confident in Oklahoma. I don't feel confident in Oklahoma. I think Kansas State, with their quarterback's ability to run the football and throw it, they run the ball okay. The defense, you know, they held Auburn to, what was it, 20 points. But it, Auburn played like crap that game. And, and I know Kansas State played good at times. But I don't know what to think about this game. I want to pick Kansas State, but this game's on the road. And I, I'm going to pick Oklahoma in a close one. I think it's going to be very close, and I think it's because it's a day game. If this was a night game, I'd have no problem picking Oklahoma, but I'm going to pick them by a field goal this game. Yeah, I think it'll be closer. I, I mean, so, um, you know, I think Oklahoma a little bit better of a team right now. But, you know, it's funny because, I mean, what happened to Trevor Knight for Heisman as well? I mean, everybody's talking about how great he is. turns out, you know, he hasn't played that well this year. So, uh, moving on, Tarvin, this game is probably the game that makes me scratch my head the most of what to even think about it. Uh, Stanford, number 23, on the road against number 17, Arizona's 12 battle. This is one of those ones that I almost want to flip a coin. Stanford, um, again, talking about you and I, uh, talking about Grogan, the quarterback for Stanford, I've had problems with him for years, even though they were winning. It's really sort of hurt them this year, I think, with his inability. They're they're 60th in pass offense, 83rd rushing offense, which surprises me a little bit. So Stanford's kind of been uh, not the offensive team they were in years past, and it's really been hurting them because their defense has been playing very good, Tarvin. Yeah, I mean, I've always – it seems like I've paid the price when I pick against Stanford with Arizona State and teams like that. You saw what Southern Cal did to Arizona State. I have a question, and I don't know, is is uh, Arizona State starting quarterback, was it Taylor Kelly? Is he back? I don't think he is. Let me see real quick. Uh, I think he may be back to be able to play. I don't know if he's going to start, but I think he's going to be back. And remember, it's a 10:30 night game in Arizona State. They do have a, a home field advantage. Man, I want. I'm gonna go ahead and pick it, Trey. I'm gonna pick an upset right here. I know it's against my better judgment, but I'm gonna pick Arizona State to beat Stanford because, as you know, I've been saying it for years. Stanford's overrated. Why stop now? Why stop picking against Stanford today? <laughs> why, why? Hey, keep going. Keep going. What you've been doing? I'm gonna go the opposite route, and, and here's what I was, and here's my rationale, and. I know Stanford has struggled to run the football, but normally this is something they can do. The rushing defense for Arizona State is atrocious. They're 95th against run. 
So I think Stanford actually gets a little bit of balance back. This is one of those offensive game plans that I think they're going to ground and pound and try to figure it out against Arizona State. Um, and the fact that you're talking about the number one scoring defense in the country right now for Stanford, fourth and ninth of their stat, I think they're going to be able to hold down Arizona State. So I'm going to pick Stanford, but, again, flip a coin, Tarvin. Well, I'm, I'm going to go with Arizona State, and that takes us to their number two game. Texas A&M brings in their 21st ranking, 5-2 and two record. They have been blown out the last two games against Mississippi State and Ole Miss. Now they get to go on the road and play an Alabama team that's making people think that they're not very good right now. Vegas has – I don't know if it surprises you, Trey, but Vegas has this line at 13 points, Alabama's favorite. Does that surprise you? You know, not really. I think a lot of people just expected or, or, or assumed that last week's game against Arkansas was a sleepwalk job. That Alabama was was just, you know, week before a bigger game, and so they were sleepwalking it through. I think people just assumed that. Yeah, it's Texas A&M. One thing we found out is people said their defense was better. Texas A&M's defense sucks. I mean, that's the problem here, and in Alabama, against teams at home, when they play them, I mean, they, they blow them out. Like, Florida has a, a, a better defense than Texas A&M, and they put up 42 on them. So, A&M's going to come in here, and, and, and the problem A&M's going to have, they're not going to be able to run the football. That Nick Saban's going to put four men in the box, maybe three, drop, out, drop back eight, and try to cover people. I think it's going to be hard for Hill on the road in Tuscaloosa. We, we saw Manziel do it a couple of years back. I just don't think this quarterback's good enough. I don't think their running game's good enough, and I don't think their defense is good enough to go into Tuscaloosa and come out with a win. So A&M is going to lose this game. They're going to lose to Auburn. They're going to lose another one. So they may be a 6-6 six and six team at the end of the season, and everybody had a number one after week one. Yeah. I mean, here's some telling stats for you as well, Tarvin, in this game. Uh yeah, A&M's the third passing offense in the country. They're 66th against the run. Uh, Alabama's third against the run. So you're right. They're not going to be able to run at all. And a one-dimensional Kenny Hill is going to get picked. He's going he's to have turnovers. Alabama's been very balanced on the offense, and that's going to kill Texas A&M, whose defense is 76th against the rush. So do you think Yeldon might have some space with, with Henry? I think so. Oh, my uh, God. This is a game where you have a lot of rushing yards that are going to be given up from A&M. Uh, and Hill may have great numbers by the end, end of the night, Tarvin. He may have 350, 400 yards passing, but it's not going to help when you have negative 20 rushing. So they're going to get blown out in this game, Tarvin. Well, I think what this could be is a confidence builder for Alabama. They played Ole Miss, a great defensive front, a great defense. They went on the road against a, an Arkansas team that's getting a lot better and had a bye week. This could be just what the doctor ordered for Alabama to get some confidence going. I think that's what this team's lacking right now is confidence. They put 300 on the ground against A&M, and they win this game by three touchdowns. That's going to set them up perfect with home games against Alabama or against Auburn, Texas A&M, or Mississippi State later in the season. This could be the turning point of Alabama's season if they put in a good performance. Oh, yeah, and I think this is a big confidence booster because, I mean, this will probably be Texas as A&M's last week ranked. Uh, so, you know, get that ranked win, um, and I think it'll help, especially if Blake Sims puts up big numbers, I think he will. I was going to ask you, Trey, you think you could get me a Jameis Winston autograph? <laughs> I don't even have one, man. 
I don't know how he has 2,000 out there, and I can't even get one right now. But that takes us on to the number one game, and this is, I mean, number two versus number five. It sounds weird saying FSU number two. I'm always seeing number one beside him. But now I'm going to break this down first, Trace, because I want you to go in in depth more about it since you're a Florida State fan. It seems like every time negativity comes around Florida State, Jameis Winston, these guys rally around each other. This is the first game, in my opinion, that they've had to get up this year. This is a night game. Game day is going to be there. All the negativity around this program. Notre Dame is about to get dusted in Tallahassee. I mean, this game is going to get so ugly, Trey, you won't even be watching it at halftime. <laughs> well, I, 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 you know, I hope you're right. Um, there's an interesting stat in this game. The passing defense for Notre Dame is 61st. Florida State is 13th in the country passing. And, and that's still, Tarvin, that's with a game without Winston and having, you know, Sean McGuire, who, who is now hurt himself and it will be out this game. So if anything does happen to Winston, Florida State will be playing with a wide receiver at quarterback uh, who was actually converted how, to a how did he? Receiver. How did he hurt himself? What did he do? I think he was high-fiving after the Clemson game. <laughs> he hurt his hand. It was, uh, I think, it was uh, in practice the week after. But yeah, he's been out for two weeks now. Uh, so Sean McGuire is out. Uh, so if anything has happened to Winston, the backup is now James, uh, not James Franklin, but a kid named Franklin, who, who was a wide receiver all year until two weeks ago. Um, but I think the, the telling story is going to be the passing offense for Florida State, and that that, that stat is, is telling. But let me let me ask you this, Tarvin: the line of this game has been dropping. Uh, you're the line guru. What do I make of that? The line's dropping? Yeah, I think it's, if I'm correct, I think it started off around 12 or something like that. Now it's 8.5. I see it at 13.5. It's going up. And I, I think some of the problem was is some some casinos aren't letting a lot of wagers be placed on this game just because of a possibility with Winston, anytime you have some kind of investigation going on, you know how it is. They can drop the the ball on you real quick. It can drop the hammer down. And I think casinos are are afraid of that. I think a lot of people are betting Notre Dame because they're they're thinking about all the problems going on in Tallahassee. How Notre Dame's undefeated? My God, they beat Michigan and then they beat a, a terrible Stanford team, and now everybody's ready to crown them champions. Did you see how bad? Notre Dame looked last week against North Carolina, for God's sake. How many points did they give up? Yeah, a lot of points, North Carolina, a lot of points. But this is a different animal right now. You've got a Florida State team that's, you know, it seems like they're going to rally. They rally behind Winston every time the crap hits the fan and they play more focused. This is the game, I think, where Florida State can gain their credibility back a little bit. They've looked like crap at times this season like they've been sleepwalking and I think this is the perfect stage you're playing a top five team everybody's going to be watching you if Winston comes out and has a, a great game and Florida State blows them out I think Florida State could move back up into that number one position over the weekend especially with Mississippi State having an off week uh, I think it's absolutely possible but let me let me also let me see if I can convert you a little bit on this Tarvin let me let me throw a statistic at you here uh, in Notre Dame's history, when they are undefeated and they are playing the defending national champion, in their entire history, and we know Notre Dame is an, an old program, Tarvin, they are 4-0-2. Oh, They've never lost. If they're undefeated playing the, the defending national champion, 
Does that that, that uh, make you, you question your pick? I don't look at history, man. History is for people that, that are losers and, and live in their mom's basement. To me, I look at the now. I live in the now. And Jonathan's with us. I'm sure he lives in the now. Jonathan, are you scared of the Notre Dame fighting Irish this weekend coming into Tallahassee, or are you with me? Is this going to be a blowout? Well, I hope it's going to be a blowout. I really do. Um, now, Florida State hasn't won a home game against the top five opponents since 2000 um, against the Gators. So um, that's always made me kind of nervous, um, the fact that we're not very strong at home when we're in the top five and when we're playing something in the top five. We haven't historically been great at home. Uh, the Notre Dame history, we've had our ups and downs with them. I'm pretty sure you all remember the game of the century back in 1993. Uh, it's going to be a good – it's going to be a, a ferocious atmosphere. Uh, Notre Dame's been throwing barbs uh, ever since this game was announced. You know, cr- you know, criminal university and free seafood and all that good stuff. And I- I'm I'm hoping we can go ahead, come in and boat race them. I watched the North Carolina Notre Dame game last week. I saw a lot of holes in that Notre Dame secondary that I think Jameis, um, with the help of Rashad, uh, Bobo, and O'Leary, can exploit. It's this is going to be a fun game, guys. Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, when I watch Florida State, it's like they're one team, and they're like Auburn to me. When Auburn gets behind, they were down 21 to nothing last weekend on the road, and I really thought we were going to come back and win that game. And, and when Florida State's down a lot of points, I'm like, okay, it's coming. It's coming. And I got to see it firsthand in the national championship game uh, last year, but Weston pulling his old tricks again, Jonathan. I mean, do you ever – get down when this team's down a couple of touchdowns do you panic or have you learned just to to let Winston take over a game well I mean and it's funny because the Clemson and the North Carolina State games there was both a point where she you you saw on my Twitter where I I tell she threw my hands up and said I'm resigned to losing this game um not, not from the standpoint of I'm okay with it but from the standpoint, I don't know if we can actually come back and make a run at this. And they proved me wrong in both those games. Um, definitely did. You know, we saw defense make big plays right after I said that. So apparently I need to say Florida State's going to lose this game more often so we get more interceptions and turnovers. Um, but, I mean, you're right, though. You just got to sit back and let Winston do his thing. You really do because, you know, he's just proven now that he's, you know, no, there's no deficit that he can't overcome. And there's no odds that he's not willing to face. He, he's played fantastically for us. Well, Jonathan, I mean, what are you hearing um, in Florida right now? I mean, Winston, is there a chance he could be ineligible for this game? Here we are at Thursday. I mean, have they have has any more information come out about the autographs or about any kind of investigation that he's going through? Well, here's the thing. The, the investigation to the autographs is going to the university. It's actually not going to the NCAA. That's why he hasn't been suspended because the university kind of jumped on this quick. The NCAA is still reviewing information until then they're not going to make any rulings. Um, as far as I know, his appeals hearing, which, you know, for the school, as far as that uh, investigation that happened back in 2000, well, began in 2012, I and mean, here we are two years later, um, there's not going to be – Really, anything going on? You might hear some bits and pieces come out after Saturday's game, which you know technically would be Sunday morning at that point. Uh, but you're not going to see anything before then. And you know, Vegas, you know, Trey brought this, brought it up, and definitely wanted to put my couple of cents in. Was Vegas pulled the line 
because that Florida State Notre Dame game was at 13 and a half. I mean, it opened at 13. When they pulled it, it was at 11. So the line had moved two points in two days. So what Vegas was trying to do was pull a oh, crap maneuver. We really read this line wrong. And they pulled it and hit it behind, well, Jameis might get suspended. Jameis wasn't going to get suspended before this game no matter what. He would have had to have gotten arrested before the game started for that to have happened. So the reason that line was pulled and because you're going to see it reopen, I think Trace at eight and a half. I was expecting more towards seven and a half. That way they can get um, better money because Vegas isn't trying to predict what the line is. They're just trying to get even money on both sides. Yeah, I, I just think you look at talent. Notre Dame, I mean, they're a good football team, but we saw what happened with Notre Dame when they ran up against a, a team like Alabama in the national championship game, 42-14. to 14. It was really worse than 42-14, to 14, in my opinion. And you look at a team like Florida State Trade, they're just as talented like that as an Alabama team. And I, I just don't think in Tallahassee that these guys have a chance. I mean, this could be real bad. I think it could be like 42-14. to 14. Well, I, I'll be honest. I don't, I don't think Florida State has been so inconsistent, especially defensively, Carvin. Um, this is not a Florida State defense last year. They're 49th against the rush and 36th against the pass. You know, it's not bad, but it's certainly not good either. Uh, 95 rushing offense, Florida State. So here, here's a couple things. That, the one that really interests me about the game, Tarvin, Golson and, and, and Winston combined have lost one college football game. Uh, so make you know you can try to discount those wins, but it's pretty impressive when you've got two guys who are you know in two game, two seasons who have one loss between them um, at, at quarterbacks. That's pretty exciting to see, no matter what happens in the game. Uh, the other thing to watch for, Tarvin, is, is Florida State has been kind of lucky with the turnover battle this year. They've been losing their turnover battle in games, and they've still been winning games. Uh, you, know, you know that doesn't happen very often in football. Mm, no. Uh, and they've been very, very, very lucky, and, and that luck will run out. And so if they lose the turnover battle in this game, Tarvin, they're not going to be lucky again, and Notre Dame will win it. Well, I knew I would get Quinn in, so I, I lured Quinn in with some of my <laughs> comments. So we're going to get Quinn on the air. Quinn, welcome to the show. Our only Notre Dame fan that calls into the show, welcome. Hey, I think it's going to be a dog fight. I have I have Notre Dame one in thirty-eight, thirty-one, but but I <laughs> I think it'll be a big offensive battle. I thought. I thought Notre Dame's defense was pretty good until they gave up until they gave up 43 points to North Carolina. So I think I Golson Golson can't make mistakes. He had he had another few turnovers against uh, last week against North Carolina. But this game reminds me a lot of 2012 when Notre Dame went into Norman, Oklahoma. And nobody was really giving Notre Dame a chance. And Golson showed out. Yeah, but you got to remember the talent difference between Oklahoma and and a Florida State team. And the, and I don't think this Florida State team is, is there really than last that much year. talent difference. Yeah, yeah. They both are crewed in the top ten each year. Uh, not like this. I mean, I, I think Florida State's team is not as not as deep as last year's, of course, but if you look at the talent that's in on that Florida State team, they're young, but if they have a good game, 
I mean, it's just going to be very hard to beat them. And so far this year, Florida State hasn't had a good game. So it's just really gambling. Is this the game? And it's the perfect stage opportunity. All these bad negative negative comments coming around about Winston, this is a perfect storm for this I Florida State team. I think both teams will play the their map. best game of the season. But I don't think Florida State's going to blow out Notre Dame by what you think by 28 points. I'm being conservative, Quinn. I'm being conservative on this. That's I mean, just... conservative is having them win by 28 points. That's <laughs> conservative. Yep. Now I'm just looking at it. I mean, the defense, like you give up 40 to North Carolina, and now yep. you're, and North, you're gonna... and, uh, and you want to forget about the over 40 points that Florida State gave up to North Carolina State? Yeah, if you're going to say one team it. gave up over 40 points, then you can't discount the other team giving up over 40 points to another team. I agree with that. That's a that's a good point, Quinn. But the only thing I'm saying is, is this Florida State team has been playing possum all season for some reason. And and, and if they're going to – I mean, I'm not saying Notre Dame doesn't have a chance because every team has a chance. But if Florida State plays the way I think they're going to play in this game – with this us-against-the-world mentality and all this negativity, Winston's just ready to really – if you want, really want to piss the people off that hate Winston, let him have a great game. He knows he controls that. If he goes out and just blows up in this game, it's really going to piss America off. And that's really the only way he can get back at people right now. And I just think they haven't played a good game all season yet. This is a top-five game at night with game day being there. You saw what they did with Clemson at Clemson last year when when game day was there, didn't you, Quinn? Yeah, I did, but this team isn't the same team. I think Jameis will go off for sure. Jameis, you can guarantee to go off every game because Jameis is like – Jameis and the way that he faces adversity is the same way that Cam Newton did. They just Mm -hmm. just really doesn't care. He doesn't really listen to it and goes on and does his – business. I actually am indifferent about Jameis. I think he's a great player and I enjoy watching him. But if I was his friend I would cha- I would tell him to to change his act and get himself together quick. I have no problem with Jameis, actually. Yeah, he's 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 just uh I don't know. I mean maybe one day like Bo Jackson said he'll He'll get it together and, and start listening to authority and, and get around people that, that want the best for Jameis Winston and, and try to teach him. Trey, you'll admit, Jameis Winston has some problems, man. You'll you'll admit that. He needs some oh, yeah. some strong role models in his life because the NFL, he's dropping down the board right now. And the only thing that's going to save him is if he does a 180 and, and makes it known, known to people out there that, hey, I've screwed up, I've made mistakes, I'm ready to change, and I think people would embrace him at that point. Oh, yeah, I, I you know, you're not saying anything that you know. Um, you know, I'm not a personal fan of Winston. Uh, I do love watching the guy play football, um, but no, he's not a role model. <laughs> that's, for, that's, for, that's for darn sure. On the field, he's the best player in the NCAA. He's better than Gurley? I think so. 
Gurley can't take over a game, I don't think, like Jameis can. You really think Gurley, when his team's down by 20, could help him come back from 20 down? I don't think so. Well, I don't know. I think so. He, he could. I mean, you know, Winston's a Heisman Trophy winner from last year. Until somebody else wins it, he's still there. But, guys, great show, great call. Quinn, uh, I hope we hear from you Sunday night, and we'll we'll break down this game in detail. Jonathan, thanks for calling in. I will. As well. If you're right, I'll tell you you're right. Oh, it's not about that, man. I, I could care less who wins that game, to be honest with you. All I know is Auburn got beat last week, so I'm trying to regroup from that. So I'm just going to watch football this weekend and enjoy it, man. That's all I'm going to do. All right. All right, Quinn, just for you, Quinn, and and this and Trey and Jonathan, this is for y'all tonight as we leave. All right, guys. Yeah. Thank you, John.